0: To the Renegade Aviator Radio Show with David Costa. Bob! Oh, Mo! Oh, Updated wind on. Two torches are five. We are on the airfield and airspace. You are clean for takeoff! Have a good one! Thanks, clear for takeoff. Check your barker brake off. Check your trim set. Check your nozzle steering on maneuver. Damn it! Is ready now. You know, one of the coolest things anyone can do is to become a fighter pilot. Come on now. You know I'm right. Except for all the killing and stuff and having to put up with the military BS. There are few things in life cooler than flying a real jet fighter. Not some jet trainer, but a fighter. Imagine getting the call as a regular guy. Hey, I've got a fighter jet. Want to fly it? Well, that's what I have for you this week. Keep listening to this show. You will learn something today. This is a good day, right? Learn something new and be inspired. Jared Floor got that call. You want to hear more? Here we go. Light them up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, Renegade Aviator. As I mentioned earlier, Jared Floor, a really cool story here about a really cool airplane, an A-4 Skyhawk, Skyhawk 518, and a really cool story about the pilot that gets to fly this cool thing because you may be amazed on how this gentleman got to fly such a cool airplane. So, Jared, first of all, welcome to the Renegade Aviator radio show. Thank
1: you so much, David. It's great to be here.
0: Tell us, Jared, what is Skyhawk 518? Give us a quick overview and kind of what you guys are all about and what you do.
1: Okay. Well, Skyhawk Five Five One Eight is, uh, the number comes from this bureau number, which is a 158518. It's one of those long numbers you see on the tail of a lot of fighter jets. Those are called their bureau numbers, kind of like their serial number. So that's how it got its name, Skyhawk 518. So that's how we started that. The original builders of the aircraft just did an amazing job of putting this airplane together, and uh, they took good care of it for the last 10 years, and now we acquired it in the last uh, couple, few months. So what we plan to do with it is showcase the aircraft. You know, it's a TA-4 Skyhawk, a lot used in Vietnam. The Blue Angels used them. A lot of people know them from Top Gun. Just a very well-used aircraft uh, from basically Vietnam out throughout the early 2000s, so A lot of countries use them as well. So a lot of people are familiar with the airplane. Some people have an emotional attachment when they see it. And so do we. We just love being able to take the airplane around from show to show and showcasing this thing to honor the men and women that have served in and around it. I'm just fortunate enough to be able to be part of this organization that lets me do this.
0: You brought up a good point, Jared. The Vietnam era pilots sometimes get overlooked. We have a lot of World War II stuff out of the shows. A lot of modern aviation out of their shows and not to take anything away from those eras. But the Vietnam era often gets overlooked, and this is square smack in the middle of that era. So anybody from the Vietnam era is going to instantly recognize this jet. It's the one of the only ones flying. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. There's only a handful of them in civilian hands. I might be wrong on this, but I believe four of them in civilian hands as far as the two-seat versions go. And there are a couple other single-seat versions. And then there are some military contracts that are uh, civilian military contracts that own uh, uh, several of them. But as far as having them in civilian hands, just flying around and showcasing them, there are just a couple of us. And it's just a real honor. Like you said, that World War II, everybody knows what a P-51 is and everybody loves a P-51. And uh, an interesting point that I like to bring up is, you know, when I was a kid in the late 80s, A lot of those guys that flew the P-51 were still around at these shows. And unfortunately, those guys have passed away. If they are still around, they're just uh, getting too old to be able to go to the shows. And they're just not around anymore. But the Vietnam era guys, they're still out there. They still love aviation. They're still going to shows. And it's an honor to take this thing to somewhere and have someone that actually was in one or around one during that time. And man, they have stories for days. And I tell you, you better know your stuff because those guys know their stuff. So it's always a joy to talk to them and learn from them.
0: It really is. And these airplanes that were once instruments of war, now up close, front and center with a whole new generation of people. I mean, young and old, a whole new generation of people that get to see this. And I don't think people understand maybe what it takes to restore something like this. This is not just an airplane you go down to the corner store and buy parts for. Uh, Can you give us a little bit of understanding of maybe what this thing went through to come from wherever it was to now? It's an absolutely outstanding, beautiful example of an A4
1: Skyhawk. It certainly is. I'd be happy to tell you all about it. This thing is, I'm of course biased, but pretty much anyone that comes across it will tell you it's just the best example of a TA4 Skyhawk they've ever seen. And uh, that's all due to the former owner and the builder former owner, Mr. Don Keating up in Seattle, and uh, the builder, Mike McDougal, everybody in the business knows him as Mage. And uh, these two guys put their heads together and their money together and their time and effort together. And over five years, took a couple of uh, derelict A4 Skyhawks and just refurbished them. And they just did anything you could think of that they thought would make it better, better to own from a civilian's point of view, but also a better example of keeping the history alive. They compromised along that route. So it's just incredible what they did. The level of detail and craftsmanship in this aircraft is is unrivaled. It took them about five years. It started in 2005 and it had its first flight in 2010. They uh, rewired the entire aircraft. They took about 2,000 pounds worth of uh, old stuff, not needed stuff out of it. An interesting fact about Skyhawk 518 is it actually weighs a little bit less than a normal sing- single-seat fighter attack aircraft. It, it comes in under 10,500 pounds, and it has the 9,300 pounds of thrust J-52P8B engine in it. So it's kind of the best of all worlds. Just an incredible aircraft, incredible craftsmanship, and uh, what a delight to fly, and so lucky to be a part of being able to take care of it.
0: You brought up something, too, that I got to maybe make mention of, is people are few and far between that'll take so much of their time, energy, and money to put, and I'll say it this way, love into these things. And it's not just for them, right? I mean, everybody who's involved, uh, from you to the people that put this thing together, everybody is giving of their time. And I really think that's the value of our modern air shows today is, you know, people have worked long and hard to bring front and center something so historic, so unique, because it inspires emotion from the fans. I mean, you've been out there a short time on the airshow circuit. You've probably been bombarded with emotion so far of people that know these airplanes.
1: Yeah, it's true. And and it's not even on the airshow circuit so much. Oh, it's absolutely on the airshow circuit. But The response on social media is incredible, even. Uh, You know, Skyhawk 518 has its own Facebook page and Instagram page, and I wake up every morning to messages of people asking questions, and everyone's just interested, and half of them are questions, and half of them are, uh, you know, bravo, thank you so much for keeping this history alive, and all that sort of thing. And I just feel so fortunate to even be part of this. I can't even believe it sometimes. But you're right, it's all about the people. If it wasn't for these two guys that I was talking about, you know, Don and Mage, this aircraft wouldn't exist, it'd be sitting in a scrapyard somewhere, probably, you know, end up as some aluminum cans or something. But uh, because these guys had a dream and a vision, they brought this history alive, and I get to carry it around. I almost get to carry the flag. They did all the work. So it's an incredible opportunity.
0: Right on. Before we come up to our first break, Jared, if you would, run through ways that people can find out more about Skyhawk 518 and find out more about what you're doing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The best way is to go on uh, our Facebook page, which is Skyhawk518, or our Instagram page, which is Skyhawk518. Feel free to send me a personal message. Get a hold of us on there. We actually decided not to have a website at this point just because there's such an outreach with the uh, social media. So uh, as of right now, we don't have a website. And also we're working on getting the uh, Skyhawk518 YouTube uh, channel back up and running. It had a bunch of former videos from the previous owner and, uh, when they're switched over to the accounts, we're just gonna start putting new videos up, so look out for those uh, in the next couple months.
0: Right on, Jared. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we will be right back. Segment one. We got three more segments left with Jared. Stay tuned for more information on Skyhawk five one eight. Hey, this is Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator. There are a couple ways to listen to my show. You can listen live on the Salem Radio Network each week and on this very radio station, or as a podcast. Find me on SoundCloud. Just search Renegade AV, the number 8R. Renegade AV 8R. Get lost, call my office anytime, and leave a message. 888-366-5256. We're here to help you. Dave Costa, Renegade Aviator. Here he is, the host of the Renegade Aviator Radio Show, David Costa. All right, ladies and gentlemen, segment two, Renegade Aviator Radio Show with me, David Costa, and my special guest today, Jared Floor, who flies Skyhawk 518. But Jared, a little bit about you, because it takes a human being to fly an airplane still, at least uh, that's what happens when I checked last, although technology is moving pretty quick. This airplane takes you to sit in that seat and fly it. A little bit about your background.
1: Yeah, well, it certainly takes somebody, and I just am humbled to be the one that gets to uh, get strapped into it. As far as I go, I'm a full GA civilian pilot. You know, going back from about three years old, I'm from a town called Big Spring, Texas, and the closest air show we had was the Midland CAF Air Show. And I grew up with my dad taking me to that air show every year uh, from the time I was about three years old, and I'm one of those people that is either lucky or unlucky to say that I've known what I wanted to do ever since then. I wanted to be an air show pilot. I particularly wanted to fly fighter jets in an air show, and I even more specifically wanted to be an F-15 demo pilot. I knew that from the time I was three or four years old. I also uh, grew up watching Jan Palmer fly the extra 300 at the air show and knew that I wanted to be an air show pilot one way or another. So. I kind of, I tell people I had two dreams, one that I thought was somewhat attainable and one that probably wasn't attainable. And uh, the first dream was to fly an extra 300 in an air show and the second being a uh, fighter pilot in an air show. So I just took every opportunity to pursue that and uh, went up through the ranks, uh, got my private pilot when I was 17 years old. When I was 18, I got my commercial multi and my CFI ratings and just started flight instructing and flight instructing and flight instructing. My goal being to be an airshow pilot. I never had aspirations to go to the airlines or anything like that. Nothing wrong with it. Just wasn't my cup of tea. Still isn't. So I just pursued that. I moved all over Texas, learning to fly uh, tailwheels and instruct in tailwheels and aerobatics. And I ended up moving to California, uh, to the Bay Area. And uh, long story short, basically, I got a job being an aerobatic instructor. And then I had a student buy a PITS, and I became a PITS instructor. And then I had a student buy an extra and became an extra instructor. And uh, the people that bought those aircraft, I... uh, became very good friends with. And the extra owner actually said, you've always wanted to be an airshow pilot and an extra. I've got an extra. Why don't you go try it out? And he actually let me fly his extra in airshows for the course of about three years. Got trained by the guys down in Tutima that Sean Tucker owns down there with Ben Freelove and Ken Erickson. And Wayne Hanley was my first ace, my airshow competency evaluator, and then Eddie Andrini thereafter. So it just, like like we talked about in the first segment, it takes other people to make people's dreams happen, you know. Without these other people supporting me, there's no way I would have been able to accomplish any of this stuff.
0: It does take other people, but there's something you said there that I wrote down notes. You mentioned dreams and goals, and there's a unique difference. Everybody has dreams, right? But people that have goals take action. They show up, and you just outlined that perfectly. Because... Nobody knocked on your door, right? You weren't just sitting at home watching TV and somebody knocked on your door and threw you keys to an A4 Skyhawk, right? It wasn't quite that simple, was it?
1: (laughs) It wasn't. I actually joked about this just last week with a guy on Facebook sent me a message and said, how does this kind of stuff fall in your lap? And I said, well, I just sit at home on the couch and just wait for someone to walk through the door with an opportunity. You know, obviously that's a joke, but like you said, the difference between dream and goals, I've always heard people say the difference between a dream and a goal is, a goal has a plan. You know, A goal without a plan is a dream. And I struggled with this throughout my career because it's not like you can go buy a book from the library that says you know, how a poor kid can become a uh, extra airshow pilot or uh, how a civilian can fly an A-4. A lot of those, usually uh, the answer to those questions are money, but I'm proof that that's not always the answer. So I found that with a lot of hard work and a lot of persistence, knowing what you want, And, you know, another thing that I always uh, came across were naysayers. And people always said, well, all these people that are saying you can't do it, just take that energy and one of these days you'll be able to prove them wrong. And that never drove me. I don't know if that drives other people. There's no one I want to call right now and say, hey, look what I'm doing. I told you so. I'm just i not that kind of person. I would rather get the negative energy out of the way and try to stick with the people that were uplifting and positive. And I always tried to plant myself in in between a whole bunch of people that I wanted to be like and I think that that was the uh, that was the key to a lot of it
0: imagine that you show up and you make a decision you take responsibility it's a isn't it glamorous how all this stuff works right and uh you know you and i could probably talk until we're blue in the face and somebody will walk up to the airplane and go oh must be nice oh geez you know you must have had somebody you know just bless you without having to do any of the hard work so that's really what i want people to hear because it's not just aviation right jared it's anything we want to do
1: it's anything you know we keep throwing out these philosophical adages but You always hear, oh, man, man, that guy's lucky. He's so lucky. Well, everyone knows luck is preparation meets opportunity. And, you know, the opportunity might not be staring you in the face, but you have time to prep. And I tell people I prepared and prepared and prepared and studied and worked and studied and worked and prepared because the opportunity might come along. And I also wasn't sitting around waiting for the opportunity. I was going and looking for it. If there was even a possibility of of an opportunity, I'd chase it. So I spent my last dime and my last minute preparing for these opportunities and i still feel lucky that i get to do it but i know that at least there's a portion of it that i feel like i earned
0: right on man (laughs) have you seen the movie top gun (laughs) is there anybody listening right now that has not seen the movie top gun i was still in the marine corps when they were filming this movie and i even met tom cruise briefly during the filming when i was stationed in san diego i was one of those guys All I ever wanted to do was to be a fighter pilot, but I was in a special ops unit in the Marine Corps, a weapons expert. And although my eyesight was good enough to snuff out a moving man-sized target at 800 meters with iron sights, becoming a naval aviator was simply not in my cards. So when Top Gun came out, I was emotionally and physically pained watching for the first time, although I watched it about 20 times after that. Viper and Jester flew the A-4 Skyhawk. Go watch the movie. These were the airplanes that I wanted to fly. Don't get me wrong. I also wanted to fly the F-14, or if I was just a little bit older, the mighty F-4 Phantom. But... I got my ego slapped. The Renegade Aviator didn't even exist yet. Then I was just Marine Corps Sergeant Costa. But today is not the day for my story. Let's just say this. When I first heard about an A-4 Skyhawk flying on the airshow circuit, I was thrilled. It's really rare to see Vietnam-era jets flying anymore. You can see these at an air show near you, but when I met Jared at the YOLO airport on a day that I was flying in with my Lear 60 and heard this story, I knew I needed to get him on the Renegade Aviator radio show. What do you think? Are you liking this? More good stuff to come, and I'll wrap it all up at the end of the show. David Costa, Renegade Aviator (laughs) Hey, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, the renegade aviator. I got a secret for you. Did you know that real pilots do it with twins? I know what you guys are all thinking. I got it. (laughs) If you want to fly a twin engine aircraft, I've got an opportunity for you. You need to call me, though, 888-366-5256. Find out how real pilots do it with twins. David Costa, renegade aviator. All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, Renegade Aviator, talking to a guy that's living the dream, man. It's what we all grew up, at least all of us pilots. And and Jared had said, Jared Floor, ladies and gentlemen, Skyhawk 518, a guy that was just like you and me, went to an air show and dreamed of flying air shows and then dreamed of flying a fighter jet. Brother, you're doing it, man. But let me guess, some of the quote-unquote real fighter pilots may be scratching their heads going, how come they didn't call me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I of course I grew up just respecting the heck out of these guys, and I idolized every single one of them, guys and girls, of course. And now that I'm flying an A4, you do get a mixed bag of uh, everyone's got advice and everyone's got opinions. But there's been a there's been a few naysayers that weren't too happy about the situation I'm in, and that's okay because you know I got that in the extra, I got it in the pits, I got it in the T6. I got it everywhere, and you get it out of aviation, too. So like I said before, you learn to kind of ignore that. You still want to take their advice if they have any, but you might want to ignore that negativity. And, then, man, there's there's a handful of these guys that are former fighter pilots or current fighter pilots, and they're just the salt of the earth, the best thing that's ever happened. and their word is gold to me because they know stuff that I don't know, and they know stuff that I want to know, So, and I still idolize them. And for instance, uh, the guy that trained me in Skyhawk 518, the guy's call Saints Buick. He's got 3,500 hours in A4s. He's a former F-14 Tomcat guy. He's got like 1,500 hours in F-14s. And man, what a cool guy. You know, he's the guy that we all all wanted to be growing up. Now he's become a dear friend of mine. I learned so much from that guy. And he's a former fighter pilot. You know, it all comes down to personality. And like with anything, I just try to ignore the negative stuff. And I try to gravitate towards the positive stuff.
0: But you know what? That is perfectly stated, Jared, because no matter what, we do that's worthwhile doing no matter what we do, that people are going to look at and go, that's excellence, or that's hard, or that would be really cool. There's always going to be that negative. I think some people that can't get up and kind of move to that next level with their own dreams and passions, forget that. You see that when everybody to always be patting them on the back along the way and you hit the nail on the head, some of these experienced guys some of their critique, we need to sit up and listen to because it may be correct. So we need to learn from that. But bottom line, the guys that flew these jets into combat had far less experience than you have the way you came up and flew many different airplanes and flew air shows. And I want people, when when they're watching you fly, Think about the kids. They were kids out of college, right? That jumped into these fighter jets and sure now they're these old grizzled guys and you got a lot of time and a lot of experience flying air shows. But it all starts with taking those first steps, which is exactly what you've done, which is why what you're doing is so cool.
1: Right. It reminded a guy that did my check ride in the A four, his call signs Cujo, a lot of people in the fighter community know him. He's a former F sixteen guy. And, I know Cujo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Cujo, yeah. So I, I was doing my check ride alongside, there were two of us there, a guy that was uh, a former fighter pilot in the French Navy, and then me. And he was a great guy too, you know, but he flew the SALTs. So he retired from that, and uh, now he's flying A-4. So Cujo was trying to explain to him, because in France, there's no civilians drilling up to fly A-4s. That just is unheard of. So Cujo was trying to explain to him that, you know, don't discount these, any, these uh, civilian guys flying these jets because it wasn't easy for them to get where they are and I'm not saying it was easy for fighter pilots to get where they were, but it's just the course of their training. You know, if you're in the seventies and eighties and you're a Navy Mm -hmm. aviator, you're probably going to get tossed the keys to an A4 pretty early on in your career. And it might've been the second or third airplane you ever flew. Whereas me, I got to tell you, it would have been a bucket list item to just get a ride in this thing, you know, as a civilian. So it just goes back to who you're around and your attitude and how you're going to take people's opinions. I think to sum all that up, but, uh, I thank God for those fighter pilots that are on my side and and support me. And the ones that aren't, I just, you know, there's a lot more fighter pilots out there I can talk to than than the naysayers.
0: (laughs) That is. And that's one of the big reasons I wanted to have you on this show today. It is none of our business what other people want to believe. Flying really cool airplanes is something that you can do if you want to. Doing really cool stuff in your life is well within your grasp. More with Jared Floor of Skyhawk 518. Find them on Facebook, Skyhawk 518. David Costa, Renegade Aviator, will be right back.
1: It's perfect for flying honeymoon, Questions, comments, suggestions, or recommendations? Call the Renegade Aviator at 888 366 5256, anytime, and leave us a message.
0: Once I get... Black Belt Aviator is focused on single-pilot operations and high-performance, twin-engine, turboprop, and jet aircraft. We work with both high-time and low-time pilots when you're ready to take your flying up a notch. When you've moved past the flight instructor and now want to fly higher-performance aircraft, fly in real-world conditions, fly safer, and achieve an elite level of performance you need black belt aviator you've mastered the basics of the art of flying but now you're ready for a higher standard and more advanced training coaching and critique black belt aviator 888-366-5256 let's see if you qualify because quite frankly not everyone will david costa renegade aviator for the black belt aviator see ya host of the renegade aviator radio show david costa all right david costa renegade aviator back with jared floor skyhawk Five One Eight. here we go for these new aviators and people that maybe think i'm not rich enough you know i don't have the right x y or z uh what kind of words of advice other than what we've already talked about can you give them
1: I tell them that all you really have is your integrity. And of course, that sounds philosophical, but it's true. You know, if you really have nothing else, you have that. You have your word. Just give your word and keep it. And even if it takes you a while to keep it, just work at it. A lot of the clientele that I've ended up having who's made these opportunities and dreams come true for me are people that started out just as a client, helped them buy an airplane or helped them get checked out in an aircraft. And, you know, we got to like each other. We became friends. And I gave them unbiased advice, a lot of times, advice that would have help them a lot more than me. And that's just what you got to do. And when they start seeing that kind of stuff, they want to keep you around because they know that you're there for their benefit and not yours. And it ends up being for your benefit. But you always got to keep your your client and your friends and the people around you in mind and keep your word to them, even if it's very difficult. And always try to think what's best for them and how can I help them achieve that? That's what I've always done. And uh, it's paid off.
0: That's outstanding advice. And uh, so we got just a couple minutes left. Uh, together and uh, of course I'll see you out at the air show so that's kind of the next step ladies and gentlemen Jared let my listeners know where they can look up into the sky and see Skyhawk 518 flying with a guy smiling ear to ear having the time of his life where can they see you fly
1: (laughs) well so far you know we came out onto the circuit late this year and as you know you're an air show guy usually things get confirmed the year before so this year's kind of slim pickings, but we did the Hangar 24 Redlands Air Show last weekend. That was a great time. We're doing the Midland Air Show September 14 and 15, I believe. And then we're going to do the Lamar Air Show, and that's the very next weekend after that. I want to say it's the September 20th, 21st, but it's that weekend. And those are the next two things that we have confirmed. We're going to take the aircraft to Oshkosh. It's going to be on display. We won't be doing an aerial display, but it is going to be on static display there at Oshkosh. And, uh, and we're working to maybe take it to a few more air shows that might be able to uh, have some open time slots here uh, as the year goes on. Our goal being we're going to go to ICAS, uh, you know what that is, the International Council of Air Shows in December. And we're going to be ready to have as full of an air show schedule for 2020 as we possibly can. Our goal, our main goal being showcasing this aircraft, taking it around the country, letting people see and hear it. What an incredible sounding aircraft. I have a lot of people asking, are you in Burner the whole time? I said, this thing doesn't even have an afterburner. And then they can't believe it. So it's just a good sounding airplane. So that's where we are. We're going to Midland. We're going to uh, Lemoore. There used to actually be a squadron of A4s at Lemoore. So they're really excited to have us in Oshkosh. So we're going to see what else we can book before the end of the year. But that's how it's looking so far. Outstanding.
0: Outstanding, Jared. Ladies and gentlemen, Jared Floor, the uh, airshow demo pilot for Skyhawk 518 518- Jared, I'll see you at ICAST uh, for sure, and I'll see you out there at the air shows. I really appreciate it. And uh, give a call if I can ever be a service, and I may want to pick your brain because uh, you are now one of the guys, man. Congratulations. I couldn't be happier for you.
1: Thank you so much, David. It's an honor to speak with you, and it's a real privilege to be in the position that I'm in to show this aircraft off. Right on, man. Have a great day.
0: You too, sir. Jared Floor, ladies and gentlemen. Skyhawk. 518 look them up on Facebook still don't understand what an A4 Skyhawk is still don't get the cool factor here it's rare today that air show fans will see legacy jet fighters anymore sure you might see the modern jets jets flying with military jet teams and the demo teams that showcase various uh, current model military jets you might see trainers fly at airshow, jet trainers like the L-39 or maybe a T-33, and jets like I fly at air shows, the TS-11 Iskra. Sure, jets are cool. Any jet is cool, but there is beyond cool. There's the F-4 Phantom, proof that a brick can fly given enough raw power, uh, thrust in jet terms, and I think there's one Just one left in flying condition. The A-6 Intruder, the A-7 Corsair, the F-5, the F-104, the F-106. Some of these jets might be doing government contracts. Most are parked and will never fly again. There are some guys out there flying the MiG-17 and the MiG-15, both legacy fighters, but not U.S. fighters. There are a few F-86 Sabres out there flying, but they're pre-Vietnam era. You just won't have a chance to see many of these legacy jet fighters fly anymore at an air show. So you owe it to yourself. Go to Facebook and search for Skyhawk 518. Like their page. Tell them that the renegade aviator sent you. Follow them and go see this aircraft fly. I'm absolutely certain when you see this aircraft flying, you're going to see Jared with a huge smile on his face when he's flying this jet. Speed, noise, no fancy flight computers, stick and rudder, hair on fire, a man's fighter jet. Uh Uh-oh, no, oh, I'm in trouble now. Ladies, ladies, I'm sorry, but you know what? No more telling me that it's not fair. You don't get to do that anymore. Do you know why you don't see more women in the cockpits of airplanes? Here's a hint. They don't show up at airports as much. I guarantee you, ladies, if you want to fly and you show up at airports, be of value to someone there. You will be welcome. Don't believe me? Give me a call. 888-366-5256. David Costa, Renegade Aviator. One more segment. Don't punch out on me yet. Don't punch out. Don't hit the eject. We'll be right back. In the meantime, have you gotten a free Renegade Aviator decal? 888-366-5256. Leave your name, number, and address. Email great, too. We can't mail it to you, ladies and gentlemen, without an address. Hint, we've gotten a ton of phone calls with no address. 888-366-5256. Renegade Aviator. This is Dave Costa, the Renegade Aviator. There are a couple ways to listen to my show. You can listen live on the Salem Radio Network each week and on this very radio station or as a podcast. Find me on SoundCloud. Just search Renegade AV, the number 8R. Renegade AV 8R. Get lost. Call my office anytime and leave a message. 888-366-5256. We're here to help you. Dave Costa Renegade Aviator So and by long
1: Questions
0: comments suggestions or recommendations call the Renegade Aviator at 888-366- 5256
1: anytime and leave us a message.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, David Costa, Renegade Aviator. Two things stuck with me this week in my interview with Jared Floor of Skyhawk 518. This week, we heard much of what we hear from all of my guests each and every week that success requires a decision, action, Persistence. But this week, I want to wrap up my show with a slightly different perspective that was brought to light. There are two nuggets that I want us to take away this week. First, in order to be successful, you don't necessarily need to follow the rules. Second, we're more likely to get to where we want to be when we can simply be of value in the process. This is the Renegade Aviator radio show, so in order for us to be renegades, at least in my opinion, we need to ignore the rules ethically. Just because things are done in a certain way doesn't automatically mean that this is the right way or the only way to get the job done. The renegades may have started out on that very path. I did. Many of us did. For one reason or another, the path did not work. So two options, quit and give up, or like I did, like Jared did, figure out another path. You heard a couple of key points. I took every opportunity to pursue things. It takes other people to make dreams come true. Preparation. Jared mentioned preparation. Are we prepared to achieve our dream? So that when the opportunities present themselves, which they always will, we are in a position to take advantage of them. Integrity. Are we someone who does what we say we will do, or do we try real hard? Newsflash, as a kid, you may have gotten that participation trophy, but the real world doesn't work this way. Start with what you have, be grateful for what you have, and do what you say you will do. Before we say yes, make sure we understand what that means. Damn, I need more time on this show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just getting started and the hour's up. It is okay to have a crazy dream. It is okay to do things differently to get there. Be ethical and of service to others while you stay in motion towards your worthy goal, no matter how crazy it is. And we are successful by default. I am David Costa, the Renegade Aviator. See ya.